Hello, and welcome to the Digital Workspace Works podcast. I'm Ryan Purvis, your host, supported by our producer, Heather Bicknell. In this series, you'll hear stories and opinions from experts in the field, stories from the front lines, the problems they face and how they solve them, the areas they're focused on from technology, people and processes, to the approaches they took that will help you to get to the scripts for the digital workspace inner workings. So welcome, Sneha, to the Digital Workspace Works podcast. Do you want to introduce yourself, please? Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Ryan. Uh, my name is Sneha, and I'm the co-founder and CEO of Geeks and Experts. We're a fractional talent platform for startups and scale-ups to hire PR specialists for their you know, PR campaigns. And we also have growth strategists, sales executives, uh, but our bread and butter is PR. Fantastic. Great. And then, as I said, the standard question, what does a digital workspace mean to you? The digital workspace, actually, it's evolved so much, right? Starting from COVID, I think it always existed, but it really had a stellar growth during the last few years. So I think it's the ability to be able to work pretty much remotely from anywhere and access talent across the globe and be cost-effective in that process. Great. And and, and how's that affected your business? I mean, we we talked before we started that you've come from India, you had a bit of time in Spain and now in New York. I mean, tell me a bit about the real life. Yeah, absolutely. So it's been an exciting journey, I would say. It's always been kind of in the small and medium businesses, early stage startups. So I've worked pretty much starting from nonprofits to social impact to food tech and ed tech. And eventually during COVID was when I realized, you know, I kind of wanted to get onto the founder side myself. So started working on this fractional talent platform, which as you obviously know, you know, COVID gave the opportunity for a lot of people to do you know, multiple jobs or to kind of pivot their careers and start their independent kind of you know, professional work projects as well. And that's where I saw the opportunity for a lot of PR specialists to be able to work with startups and scale-ups because, you know, at that stage, companies don't have budgets to hire like a, an agency or an annual contract, uh, which is, you know, six figures per month in retainers. There was an opportunity here for freelancers in the PR space to kind of, you know, showcase their, their specialists and expertise. And that being said, we're kind of, you know, often called an upscale version of Fiverr. So it's not uh, somewhere where you would give 50 bucks and get a logo, which is fine. I mean, you know, there are platforms that exist for that. But PR is such a nuanced space that you need specialists from specific industries. You have to kind of give it a little more time. So that's when our platform started picking up steam. And it's been about two years now. We've been pivoting and iterating like every other early stage company along the way. Yeah, I could be a client of yours. To be honest. That's amazing. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, it, it's funny because I was actually looking at this yesterday. So I, I obviously, the, 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 this is a podcast, that, but there's a there's another thing called value, which is our SaaS and the consulting and all the work that we do. And I get inundated with emails every day for people wanting me to come into a magazine or do this article, do that article. And, and some of those are free and some of those you pay for. But the time we waste reading the email often and you know, let's say there's two a day and replying to it and all the rest of it. And just having someone who actually, like, I don't know if this magazine or this thing is actually a good one. I don't know if it actually mm-hmm. leads to anything. And just having someone with that little bit of expertise, you know, even if I'm paying them for two hours a week and they can go through that batch of 20 mm-hmm. in an hour and say, out of that, look, there's nothing here. Or these ones will be good for you. Or actually, you know what, forget all this stuff. We'll go and do it this way would be so valuable because it just, you know, you know it's, not, it's not my forte. And also you build relationships when you do a certain speciality. So you'll know who to talk to if you want to get in the right publications and what to say and and all that kind of stuff. So I think there's huge value in it. Exactly. Thank you so much for saying that. I think you hit the nail on the head with, you know, the media relations part of it, because I think that is 
pretty much what a lot of you know people who get caught up in the paid media or paying to appear on the front cover of magazines i mean paid media is an option yes i'm not denying that but i think there's a lot that you can leverage from an earned media perspective you know increasing your thought leadership and like you said you know just identifying which are the outlets that would showcase your story that match your audience as well because there are a lot mm. of niche trade publications that speak to your audience so you know coming on a top tier outlet or a tier 1 outlet maybe may, may not make sense for you if you want to be known for a very specific expertise uh, or as a subject matter expert in a particular domain and that's where media relations can really change the game for you because it builds trust and credibility with your audience uh, and it can be done at a budget so you don't have to fall for the trap of spending tons of money to appear on you know campaigns and six month or one year sprints you can kind of take it as you go uh, and with the budget you have in mind when you're starting out Yeah yeah and, and I think that yeah, I was talking to someone else about this today I mean we, we talked about the gig economy when Uber rocked up and we said oh you know this is a start then you had you know Airbnb and you had all these Lyft and and all these other things that come along and and that to me was never really the true gig economy because that was just people basically being paid slave labor in good commas to fulfill a, a job of something that will be replaced by a machine at some point uh, you know just it's a low skill thing to a large extent but if you think about you know what covid has done it's leveled everyone up from a technology point of view everyone now knows you can work from home and be connected everyone now knows that with a good internet connection you can do your job yeah. and when you look at the sort of where well, at least i think where the market is going i think you get into a case where businesses are trying to cut down their heavy cost which is your experience not only your experienced person it costs a lot they want to try to cut that down to the minimum that they have to have and then switch it over to more fractional part time resources which is one of the reasons why we started the community where they can bring somebody in who's done this before or has some expertise and they can help them solve a problem but in the same token you want to make sure that the person comes in they has authority and trust and i think that's where the pr thing is so important because in order to make sure that somebody is now trustworthy if you don't have that friend that can tell you this person is trustworthy you need to look at what their social media is you know have, have they have they done anything and it doesn't have to be on facebook and instagram and tiktok it could be just linkedin but if they're writing every day or every week about something that is related to what your problem is and you get the eyeballs on it and that is how the authority comes through or the trust comes through because now you've built a relationship through experiencing them uh, absolutely no i think there's a lot of merit there especially when you mentioned you know fractional and i think fractional has also been around for a bit but it's kind of got rebranded now and the core of being fractional is you work for a fraction of your time yeah. you know with different companies and i think like you said that's such a big you know leverage that companies can can utilize you know when they are limited with budgets and they're looking for that specialist who who has the skills that they don't have and i think maybe you know pr is one of those things which kind of has a mystery or mystique around it a lot of people Uh, are not very familiar necessarily with what goes behind the scenes or how to you know navigate that and there are a lot of tools that even as a founder yourself uh, you know you can leverage including tools like haro which is basically you know a company that sends out three emails a day about journalists who are looking for sources on a story that has a mm. time bound deadline so it's literally stands for help a reporter out and i think Uh, a lot of these tools exist for for founders to use so you can start out just dip your toes a little bit in media relations but when you're reaching that stage when you need somebody to kind of take the reins from you you can go for a freelancer or a fractional executive as opposed to hiring a whole agency that necessarily you know would not meet your budgets yeah and, and i think there's that point about you bringing someone who's an expert they might do it in in an hour 
Whereas you could have a you could have an agency that could take two days to do the same thing. We were, we were talking about something the other day where that they had these big fancy guys come in, and the time it took them to do the quote, somebody else had done the had done the work already. Yeah. And and it was kind of this like disjointed thing where you thought because you're going to get this this big brand to do the work for you that it'd be faster and more efficient, more effective. And actually, it wasn't. It was just more expensive by exponential. Yes. You know. So so I definitely see the value. So how does your platform work, or, or how do you guys do your thing? I mean. Give us some, yeah, some so we're, we work like a, a marketplace format. So we have PR specialists who, you know, have very, very specific expertise from every industry that you can think. I mean, we have people who have worked on true crime podcasts right up to, you know, fitness, you know, whether it's fintech, uh, it's essentially because your industry matters so much when you're in the space of media relations. So we have these specialists who are, you know, onboarded through referrals and word of mouth. Um, and then they go through a vetting process themselves. So we have PR analysts who kind of vet their expertise and, you know, how long they've been in the industry. And they could charge anywhere from, you know, $1,000 per month, going up to $15,000 per month, depending on, you know, what their retainer is. But it, that's the whole beauty of it, that there isn't a one-size-fits-all. So that's on the supply side. And on the demand side, we basically work with seed to series A companies that are, you know, basically startups to scale-ups, right, who are maybe doing a fundraising campaign and they want to get some PR talking about their founders thought leadership or background story and then you could also have a startup that's been around for a while but it's now launching a new feature for their product and they want to do some PR for that so even if you're looking for like a three-month sprint just to get your you know marketing efforts and PR efforts some more visibility those are the essentially the kind of clients that we work with yeah and I think that's often the case someone just needs someone to get them over the first hump you know when we when we do some of our stuff it it was trying to figure out what tools do we use? Do we use LinkedIn? Do we use Twitter? Oh, X, X now. Do we use? And then if we want to use some of the generative AI stuff, which tools are the better ones to use? Is it Taplio? Mm-hmm. Is it Apollo? Is it whatever? And, you know, once you've got those sort of basics decided, and, and you really just need the basics view, someone who's done it a few times to say, look, don't use this tool because once you paid for everything, it's actually more expensive than this other tool. And, and when you're setting out your sort of plan for the year, these are the things you must make sure you do. You know, like my wife has got a little bit of background in this and she said to me, never, ever put pictures of people on your on your website. I said, why? So, because if no matter what picture you pick, you're going to offend somebody. Mm-hmm. So just pick ones that are you that you can't tell. I said, oh, okay, so, so no male, no female, no black, green, pink, whatever. So that's what we've done. And it's a very hard concept for people to get that you don't want to have any people in the pictures, but you want to show people because it's, yes. you know, it's a collaboration. And or, so you're almost going to have every possible combination in the picture. And mm-hmm. when I when I was having this chat, I did a magazine article the other day, and they asked me for some pictures. And I said, well, here are the pictures. And they said, oh, we want people. I was like, no, we don't want people because this is the problem. And they're like, oh, we never thought about that. And interestingly enough, I got some feedback informally for them to say well actually they had some complaints not about my stuff but one of the other articles because the, there was not enough representation in the pictures and I said well that's quite yeah. weird that that would have actually happened you know that we talked about yeah it. Oh, that's an interesting angle and, and I think and it's it's, just, you shed light on an important sorry good no, no, so, and, well, I'd be interested to know what, you, what your thoughts are on that because you know I never thought about yeah, it yeah I was just gonna say you know at the end of the day every business is a people business because that's something that you know over the over time, um, you've learned that even if you're selling to a startup or even if you're a B2B business, you are selling to somebody who's in that business. Uh, and I think that's an important thing to think about, you know, when you're figuring out your ideal customer persona or just doing your customer discovery and sales is you're at the end of the day, you're talking to a decision maker at a company. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
exactly. Now, do you so customers sign up with you guys? Do you take do you, do you front then the resource and then they get a cut and you get a cut and, and that's your model, or does the does the resource pay and then you just the commercial deal is there? No, it's just a commission based, so it's a contingency or a success based model. Okay, okay, good. And, and what sort of numbers do you have in the sense of signed up resources and globally? I mean, we, yeah, absolutely. We have uh, close to 100, 150 PR specialists who are you know across different domain experts, like I mentioned. And like I mentioned, the budget that they charge is starting from $1,000 per month, going up to $15,000 per month. We do have a few boutique agencies as well. So it's not to say that we only work with PR freelancers or independent uh, PR specialists, but the boutique agencies are you know, super small. It would be like three to seven person teams. So not like obviously like an Ogilvy or you know a large agency like that is what we have right now. Correct. Right. And then what, what's the, I mean, do you guys, do you have people that are focused in certain areas or is, is it really strong across the board? I mean, give me some feel for, for what you have. Yeah. So the domains or the verticals would be as specific as, you know, professionals who have worked in pet industries or they've worked in uh, SaaS products. Uh, of course, by nature of being a tech platform, uh, we do have a lot of tech startups that are our audiences. So they would be like B2B SaaS companies. But that being said, we do have few CPG brands. We have a few, you know, fashion and beauty tech companies as well. So it's like you mentioned, you know, across the spectrum and you would have different levels of seniority as well. So even the PR specialists have either, you know, their entry level, maybe they've worked at an agency for a few years and now they want to start their own independent practice. So they'll be starting out as an independent PR freelancer or, or there are you know, specialists who have been doing this for decades. Uh, and even in that, they would be media relations as well as analyst relations who have worked with, you know, your analyst publications like Forrester, IDC, Gartner. Uh, so it really depends on the uh, specialist that you're looking for. And we're also trying to identify who is that, you know, hero or hero and user of our product. Is it, you know, is it mainly in tech or is it also CPG and beauty brands? Because a lot of these companies, you know, need PR depending on what their end product is. And they would need to get in front of different audiences depending on what their product is. So for some, it would be just trade publications. For some, it would be tier one outlets or getting into the top, you know, holiday gift guides that are consumer facing. So it really boils down to what your objectives are. And I think that's the most important thing when you set out to do PR is to understand what is your objective? Like, what do you want to get out of it and why? Because without having those, you know, success metrics or KPIs, you're you're just throwing money and not seeing the results that actually move the needle for you. So do you have a methodology to use to do that? So like typically when I do my stuff, we follow an OKR-based methodology with some other stuff that we've added to it. Do you have a similar thing or how do you how yes, do you guys work? That's a great question. So yes, it would be uh, you know, doing an onboarding call with the client first to understand what their objectives are, like you mentioned. And so we go through a questionnaire just to understand, you know, where they are at right now with their PR goals. Have they got any digital footprint prior to doing PR? And then also where do they see themselves, you know, going down the line? So is it three to six months? Is it to just increase their brand visibility or is it to increase thought leadership of the founders or the business owners? So, it, you know, that onboarding call really helps us understand also if this is the right client for what we're looking for, because sometimes you have to say no to certain clients and, and you know, not reach the stage where you have to fire them, but at least understand that maybe you won't be able to service them the way they think you can, because sometimes in PR, you do have to, you know, educate the client a little bit about how it works, you know, try to make them understand that it's not that you can pay somebody for a week or a month and, and start seeing results. It is a little more, you know, long-term campaign. I mean, give it at least three months while your PR specialist is, you know, putting out your messaging or doing your, you know, PR campaign, drawing up a press release, et cetera, et cetera. So the onboarding call comes first, and then we'll showcase, you know, a couple of different profiles to them that would be a good fit 
And uh, then they decide on that, whether they want to, you know, go through an introductory call with these specialists. So we handhold that. And then if they think it's a good fit, then that's when we draw up our con- contracts. Yeah, I really like your website. I'm going through it now while we're talking. You know, it, you. it's very, it's, it's, it's very nicely put together. I like how you've done peer referencing, for example, you know, having fixed rates, that kind of thing. I mean, we, we do something similar with value execs, although we don't want to get involved in the commercial side of things. We want our members to get the, get the deal. But I like how you've done this. This is really, really slick. Thank you. And you got some nice customers too. And my co-founder is also actually, he's also a user experience or a customer experience designer. So I think that's where probably you uh, being in yeah. your experience, you kind of appreciate that. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I mean, it just looks like a really good site. Cool. And then what's the, I mean, what are your thoughts on AI in, in this space? I mean, do you, do you think it's a, a an enabler or a, a competitor? I think that's a, that's a great question, uh, especially right now, right? It's all in the, in the news right now. But I think there is a lot of potential to use it in the right way i would definitely say that do not use ai to write your pitches to journalists because they get a ton of pitches per day and they can read you know if it's written by a human or it was written by ai so i would say there are ways to read you know use it to your advantage to maybe get some interesting stats or get some interesting angles or uh, even to to use existing content that you have i think this is a this is a tool that i realized you know a little later that i have so many uh, articles that I write just on my personal blog on Medium, uh, and I could use AI to just leverage or use that content to generate more content. And I think those are some of the ways in which you can use it. So that means you're giving AI your own voice and your own unique angle to a story, but you're just helping or using its aid to multiply the content that you have. So I would say it can be an enabler if you know how to use it, but don't use it to just be the voice for you use mm-hmm. it to you know implement whatever you already have and turn that yeah i mean i've definitely found that with chatgb for example if you've got to really uh, i mean my, my i looked at some of my first prompts the other day and my prompts have definitely got more sophisticated and and also because now it's been trained more and more on more recent data i mean it's still probably about a year behind maybe six months we always transcribe our podcast so it's got the transcriptions now so now i can actually get it to use my voice when it writes something which is a bit weird because it's not how i would write something it's how i would say something that it's writing mm-hmm. but i can definitely see that it's got it's picked up stuff like yeah. how it say something so that's been quite interesting. I, I haven't felt confident yet to put that out as as posts yet because I, I kind of find Tableau does a much better job. But it is mm-hmm. it is fascinating to see how close we are in some respects to something simulating you. Yes. Um, and I watched a very scary video on LinkedIn two hours ago where they had a picture of a, of a kid and then they show you take the picture and they take the dots off the kid's face and then they morph this kid into a simulated version of her older self. And then oh, basically, this is talking to an audience of people and basically says, mom, dad, da, 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 this whole spiel about you just shared a few pictures of me online and this is what they did with me. And, and this is what could have happened. And like, it'd be, you know, simulated to have bad credit to child pornography, like the whole, like, this is the worst case scenario. And it was quite a scary thought because, you know, we, I mean, I use, I'm involved in the tech, so, like, you know, I have an inkling of what it can be done. I mean, there's obviously people learn a lot more than I do and I'm nervous about it, but there's people that have no idea. Now, if you think about it from a, a deep fake point of view, or, or something like that. Uh, and there was actually a video of a, of a rugby player not shaking the president of South Africa's hand during the fight thing. And it, it was fake. Mm-hmm. But because no one could tell the difference between what was fake and what was real, it led to a whole lot of social uprising. And, and that's where it is scary because there's, there's, the validation yeah. has to be almost as quick and as, as an expert as what was used to generate the deep fake. So you have yeah. these two AIs basically fighting over what it is. And I just think about it from a PR point of view, how that could be good or bad for you as a person or a company or whatever it is. Yes, that that is definitely uh, an interesting angle and a scary angle at that. And I think 
we'll, we are, we're the generation that will live to see what happens and how this technology evolves, because we haven't seen something like this, you know, in, in the last several decades. So it's definitely something that I, I hope will be used in the right way. But yeah, like you mentioned, there is a lot of potential for, and I think that comes with any, any innovation, right? I mean, it does have its, have its pitfalls and uh, even our convenience obsessed culture. I mean, there are so many things which we wouldn't have taken for granted earlier, but now there are things that we take for granted and we, we function that way now. We've evolved that way and maybe it's not always for the better. No, well, I mean, history judges us, right? So whatever happens now, we think we, we're we on the right path or not, whatever it is. But really, when you look back, you know, look at look at the wars, look at, at you know, whatever's happened in the last 20 years, mm-hmm. you can only judge it based on what's with that hindsight. And, yeah. you know, this what's going on now with Altman being, being fired from ChatGDP and now he's going to Microsoft and, and all that stuff. Is this the inflection yeah. point of something deeper and darker? Or is this just a case of, you know, typical boardroom politics and, and someone's rebooted? We, we will we won't know until we look back. We won't know. Mm-hmm. But you know, the amount of AI tools that are coming out that are that are specifically playing in the content space. I think that's the interesting thing, is it's all about content. And you almost need an AI to read all the content to give you the salient points because there's just so much more being generated now because now it's X percent faster or exponentially faster to generate content. So how would you advise a client of yours, of yours, and it may not be you, but think, to come up with their strategy with this in mind so that they can be unique and... Yeah, absolutely. I think there's that's exactly where your unique voice and angle, you know, kind of comes into play because even when you're talking about, you know, there being so many AI companies now, uh, that's an interesting case study just to look at that I don't think companies are going to call themselves AI companies, you know, down the line. I mean, it's going to be redundant. It's going to just be understood that you are an AI company. Uh, And I think that's kind of where you have to start focusing on what differentiates you. And if, if you're, if you have a unique, you know, background or a unique case study that you've worked on, or uh, you're a subject matter expert in something, that's where you have to leverage that and showcase that. Uh, Because that is something that cannot be replicated or, I mean, somebody can probably take the technology that you have and try to replicate it or or build it. But if there's something specific you bring to the table, your experience and expertise from before, then that is something that needs to be highlighted. Uh, And that's what we recommend our clients to do is to to just highlight that, not talk about, you know, like we say always, talk about the benefits, not the features, you know, show, don't tell. And those kind of things are becoming even more important right now. And uh, because at the end of the day, that's the human part of it that has to be held on to in the world of AI. Yeah, that's what I, I want to say, talk about storytelling, how storytelling has become more and more important. And you can still prompt that. So you can still, like what I will do commonly is someone will say, oh, I need you to write this thing for me. And I'll, and I'll write the prompt while I'm saying, I need you to talk about this, but then I'll explain how I want it written. And that's really where I found the value in AI is that you can give it the, the guidance or the guardrails to where you want to get to. And then let it spit it out, but not just say, tell me all about digital transformation. And it writes like this spiel that means nothing to anybody. But you say, I want digital transformation in the in the fintech space where we are dealing with payments and cross-border remittances, da 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 and tell me how, you know, use the Star Wars analogy, for example. Mm-hmm. That is really cool because it's a really nice focused thing. And it, then it uses common themes that people that you typically talk to would know about. They'd know about Star Wars and know about, you know, Skywalker and, and whatever. And, and, and the one it came up with, I thought was beautiful. It said, you know, Luke needed to send money to Leia mm-hmm. to get her out of jail. And this is how, it was like this whole thing. I was like, that's so contrived. And I thought that was actually so brilliant because no one would have thought of that, like that analogy. Yeah. But it explained yeah. the remittances and getting across the galaxy and, and also so well. So I think there's, you know, from that point of view, creativity, it's not creativity, it's just associations that we wouldn't have thought of. Interesting. Because um, the creativity yeah, I'm curious was saying, to know what, what are the prompts that you were using before? Like you mentioned, your prompts have changed so much when you started out. So it looks like you've, you've kind of found um, that 
you know, unique way of asking the right questions or the prompt. Yeah. So, so what I normally do is I would write like one sentence, like tell, like write a thing about this, and then I normally take that sentence and I put it in a text thing next to it, and then I'll do, I'll keep building on what I get as responses, fine tuning it, and then as I fine tune it, I put those sentences all together in in that piece of text, mm-hmm. and then usually when I've got about five or six lines, I look at that text again and I reword it, and then I start adding in the stuff that I really want. To, to make it more targeted. And then that, then when that's done, then I paste that in and say, now write this thing again, but using this stuff. So I can kind of see, you know, you can kind of develop a little bit to where it's going and then you can, you know, ask for the finished product. Because what happens usually when you're interactive with it, I find at least, is after a while it starts to go more and more away from where you were going. Mm. And, and that's probably just a, you know, a progression issue. But when you've got the whole thing together, and you can then say, using this context, which is the five lines, give me this output. That's usually when you get a really nice thing. And then something I learned, which I'd never thought of, is you can actually tell in your prompt to keep rewriting until it reaches a certain thing. So like if you want to make it 200 words, you can say, please rewrite this until you get to 200 words. Mm-hmm. And it might take a bit longer, but it'll actually give you exactly 200 words. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a yeah, programming language. Just program. use it and say, okay, write the same thing now and make it more concise. Or, you know, I want it in an email format or I want it more in a LinkedIn blog post format. So it really does pick up, you know, those elements. Yeah. So, I mean, in in that respect, I'm less worried about the video of the girl get, you know, being simulated for deepfakes. And I mean, I read a very good book series where that, that was used, but I'm very positive in the sense of I've got clients of mine that are not very good writers per se, but letting them write what they want to tell everybody and then having the AI, you know, make it marketing friendly or put it into an analogy to what's going on in the market right now. Because I mean, that's the whole point of PR, right? Is to, is to connect with your to be relevant. reader. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. I think it's been a great conversation. Is there anything else you want to chat about? No, I think this is great. Just love learning more about how you were using it. I think I learned a thing or two from you. Well, (laughs) you know, the secret to all these things is to be lazy. (laughs) Because when you're lazy, you find ways to avoid doing the things you don't like to do. And and, and that's why I think AI is amazing. Because, you know, if I could get to the point where we're having a conversation now and AI is listening, and from that, it it understands that I actually want to go and do two things from this conversation and to start doing those two things. Like, for example... Maybe we mentioned something about do some research on something. So by the time we finished the meeting, the research has popped up, you know, yeah. emailed you or whatever it is and said, oh, we, you know, while you're talking with this research and we think this is relevant to you. Or, you know, you said you wanted to come to, to the UK, you know, you get in a message in your mailbox saying, well, if you go fly, you know, six months from now, the price of tickets is this. And, and based on your likes and dislikes, these events are happening. You know, maybe you want to go to the Edinburgh Fringe, Fringe Festival, or maybe you want to do this thing. I think that'd be really cool. Yeah, like a minute of the meeting, but with like actionable takeaways that like a personal concierge or, <laughs> yeah. That yeah, makes... like, well, I mean, so, so I'll give you a good, good example, right? So we have we have value execs, which is our fractional mm-hmm. community. Our, our whole model is different because we're not there to charge the fractionals mm-hmm. to, you know, it's not, it's not about value execs, it's about the member, right? So mm-hmm. like what I was thinking when I made the joke about will be your clients is, you know, could we, I've got a few fractional execs that are looking to, we promote the member. That's how we do our, that's our model. We're not promote. Right. We want them to be the front and center thing. So, mm-hmm. you know, how do we make them publicly more available so that they get more, so we get more leads? Because that's what it's about, mm-hmm. the lead generation, but it's inbound Absolutely. lead generation. And that's why the trust and authentic authenticity is so important because like we're doing a podcast now, we have every member come on to the podcast. We do a YouTube series with them as well. We put them onto other podcasts, but we need to mm-hmm. basically keep promoting them, you know, get them into thought leadership things, that kind of stuff. And that's where a PR person would be really helpful. And if mm-hmm. we were to split that, cost across all the members it then becomes palatable for them as well because they're not 
there's two problems with this thing usually when you when you do PR. One is someone has to come up with the content, which is exhausting for people. So they don't like to do because yeah. it can be exhausting. The other thing is when it all starts to come and then you start doing all these things, that it takes them away from their work, mm -hmm. which frustrates them. So you, if you saw, so the whole point of our model is that we have enough members that you can sort of ride the wave of when you're busy, you don't have to do it. When you're not busy, you can do it and someone else could do it. Like when, a plug and play that it makes sense for whenever you yeah. need. And uh, I think that's the sustainable way of doing it. That's interesting. Uh, and I think, you know, some of these things kind of have a snowballing effect. So like you mentioned, yeah. when you start out, you know, in one space, then you just kind of have this ripple effect and then you, you're seeing the results come out in, in different places. I keep calling it like increasing your luck surface area and just yes. you know, having those many touch points online, which uh, I think makes a lot of sense, um, especially like you mentioned, you know, it's all about lead generation at that point. Yeah, well, so what we're trying to do with, with us is, is inbound lead generation. So we want somebody to be going through LinkedIn, which is our preferred platform at the stage of mm -hmm. email. They want to be able to, I want them to see a member of ours, like, like Roger, who's a growth guy, Tim as a CIO, who, you know, who are available. Oh, you know, I need someone who who can help me grow my startup. Let mm -hmm. me chat with Roger. Now they can reach out to Roger directly or come through us, doesn't matter. But the point is they now know about Roger because we've made him available. Because they, you know, right. typically what will happen is someone will hit you on LinkedIn with some message, but it's never really a true connection message. But if they've seen something that Roger said and gone, oh, well, you know, Roger talks about scaling up a startup and, and he's mentioned this, this and this. And that resonates, you know, two out of the three things resonate with me. They can reach out and say, hey, Roger, I saw this thing, you, you, you've mentioned this and this. Can you help us? Can we have a chat? It might just be a cup of coffee and you might mm -hmm. spend half an hour with them and say, look, you know, I don't need to be brought on as a fractional for this. Here's what you need to do, A, B, and C. If you still need my help, come back and then we can go from there. And I think that's the thing that we could talk about the gig economy again. I think that's what's changing in the, in the market or the ability to contact somebody and talk to them because mm -hmm. of technology is so much, ah, that's the wrong phrase. It's exponentially easier because, yeah. you know, you could literally just hit someone on LinkedIn. You can go search by keyword. I want people in fintech. I want people in digital transformation. Get a long list. Then you can automate contacting all of them and someone mm -hmm. will respond to you. But they could be in another country. You'd never have met them in your life if it wasn't for LinkedIn or, or Facebook or, or whatever. That's but now, back to the PR thing, if you if they contact you, then you go look at their profile and they've written no content that matches what you're talking about. And you probably won't follow through. But then, yeah. but now they've got good PR, then you're like, oh, actually, this person talks about a lot of the stuff that we need. This was yeah, a good and thing. I think that's kind of you the way you put it makes sense because it's sometimes you know the user you end up working with doesn't know what they're looking for they might have an idea but maybe they're not sure of it until they see it you know repetitively and then they understand okay maybe this is what i need because very often you don't even know what you don't know no well this is it i mean you know one of the things that that you know i, I always tell the story so a friend of mine was made the ceo of a business he was he was the chief marketing officer that he was being the ceo we were playing golf we were just talking walking while we were playing and he was saying you know, I don't know what to do with this problem. I said, well, you know, let me have a look at it. You know, he goes, oh, well, why would you look at this? Well, you know, that's what I do. He's like, oh, I never even thought about it. I was like, yeah, well, you know, this is something, yeah. it's how these things work sometimes. You know, once we had a look at it and we, and we realized where he was and we did, we spent like 11 months together solving this problem, changed his whole business. You know, sometimes you, you need to be unconsciously incompetent on something. And, and, and mm -hmm. that's kind of a weird statement, but you need to know you don't know something and then you need to be okay with bringing in somebody and, and and you know if you think about the big four consulting firms they kind of get a bad rap because they just regurgitate the same stuff and they're expensive and you know all those negative things but actually the biggest problem with those guys is they don't usually f finish a project they don't they, you get the consulting person who gives you the strategy then you get another team that does the delivery and they don't always meet so a fractional is i think slightly different because usually the fractional's done it a lot of times and now when exactly. you bring them in they're coming and going you know what i've done five exits i'll help you 
and and it's a different experience because they've, they've got the scars from doing the whole thing through. Yeah. And it's about the process, right? It's not about, okay, here's what we need. And so just deliver it to us in, in the next three months or whatever. It's about the process. And I think that's the key differentiator of, you know, when you have somebody who's full-time, of course, you're spending like north of, I think, $4,000 just to hire somebody. And then when you have a consultant or somebody come in just from that perspective, you're, you're so focused on just the deliverable, but with a fractional executive, you're working literally like a plug and play. You're integrating them into your team, you know, for that period of time and seeing the process and what goes into it actually behind the scenes. Yeah. I'll say to one of the guys I was trying to say about coming on board, said, you don't get involved in the politics. Like you're not yeah. there for five, you're not there for five years. You're not there for promotions and that kind of stuff. You're there to help solve a problem. Could be five months, could be two months, could be a year. I mean, mm-hmm. be two years, but you're not just there. For mm-hmm. You're just there to solve, the, just, just add value and need. And the nice things about these sort of engagements is the person coming in always has to show value. So they're always trying to be helpful. They're always trying to be useful because they've only got a limited time there. Whereas, and I'm not saying being an employee is a bad thing. I just think when you're an employee, you have a different mindset typically mm-hmm. because you're there for, you know security and all that kind of stuff but i think the fractional stuff and i think this is where the world is going is to be more of a hustler in the right sense and then you're more agile you know just in terms of the economy also where we're headed and with everything that's evolving so much you know i think it just brings a lot more agility and it opens up a whole new network right i mean mm. like you mentioned if if i'm talking to roger who's a specialist in scaling a business and then through him i know somebody who he can work in tandem with from the marketing perspective you know, or from like a financial perspective or operations, I think it's just a whole uh, network that opens up. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and that's, I mean, that's the crux of our network is to be a, in, it's a South African or an African thing, which is Ubuntu, which means I am because we are. It doesn't really have a good translation, that. but it's basically unselfish, help each other out. And then by helping each other out, we'll all grow together. And that's exactly it. I mean, I expect that to be the case if, you know, as people go into roles and I've seen it badly in the sense of people come in and they fire everybody and bring all their mates in, which yeah, might work if everyone's high functioning and it's a good team, et cetera. But I think there's there's value in also just being coming in and realizing that you're not the right person to solve that problem over there. So you bring you can recommend somebody in your network mm-hmm. who could, but not be precious about whether they use them or not. Yeah. But yeah. because you've built some trust with the with the business and the people running it it might be a good thing because then you bring somebody in that you've worked well with and you help that mm-hmm. business go even faster or better or whatever it is. But I think, you know, it's like picking a team for any sport. Yes. You, know, you, you pick the right players, not necessarily the best players. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, at the end of the day, like we you know, chatted earlier, it's about, it's you're in a people business always. So it's about mm-hmm. relationships and it's about those connections. For sure. For sure. Okay. This is, now we have to end because I've actually got to go fetch the kids from school. So <laughs> it's yeah, been so really great chatting day. with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we must definitely keep in contact. I mean, I mean, dead serious when I say I think you can maybe help us out with value execs. We should, so we'll chat about that later. But if anyone wants to get a hold of you, what's the best way? Oh, LinkedIn is best. You can reach out to me there. You can also just write to me at hello at geeksandexperts.com if you want to talk about, you know, fractional PR executives. I'm happy to chat. Fantastic. Super. Great. Awesome. Well, good Thank to meet you. you and have a good rest of your day. Likewise. You too. Bye. Here's a bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Heather Bicknell is our producer and editor. Thank you, Heather, for your hard work on this episode. Please subscribe to the series and rate us on iTunes or the Google Play Store. Follow us on Twitter at the DWW Podcast. The show notes and transcripts will be available on the website, www.digitalworkspace.works. Please also visit our website, www.digitalworkspace.works, and subscribe to our newsletter. And lastly, if you found this episode useful, please share with your friends or colleagues.